You're listening to Why, a sermon series about some of Christianity's greatest questions. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. So uh, I'm glad you're here. Let's get to the message. We're wrapping up a series that we have titled, Why? Why? That is the name of this series. And the truth is, uh, we see things all throughout life. We, we have things happen to us all throughout life. And we always ask that question. We ask, why? We ask that question more than any other question in our life. And this past week, uh, I was driving down the road. I was driving to Jackson, and I, I was in my truck, and I had my cruise set on uh, 77. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, the cruise, I mean, speed limit 70. I know, I know, don't judge me. You know, you do the same thing. So I'm going 77 miles an hour, and I'm in the right lane, and so I'm driving, and there is a car in the left lane, okay? And they're, they're just like taking a stroll. I don't know what they're doing. So if you're here today and you don't know this, what you need to know is that that left lane is a passing lane, okay? If you're not passing somebody, get over, you know what I mean? Because you make Christians get frustrated and stuff. You don't want to be a stumbling block. So I'm driving down the road, and this guy, I mean, he's, I've got my cruise again set on 77, and he's in the left lane. I guess it was a he, and so I don't know what's going on, but he's, he's just cruising, and so I pass him, and I'm sitting here going, why didn't this guy know how to drive? And so I pass him, and then a little while later, he passes me. He zooms right past me, and then he slows down. He slows down. So I pass him, and I'm sitting here going, man, this dude's an idiot, or weird, he's weird. I don't know. He's messed up. You know what I mean? Don't know how to drive. And so I'm sitting here going, why does this guy even have a license? Why did somebody to give this guy license and he passes me again and he slows down and he passes and he slows down. I mean, it's just something that, that happens in our life. There are all sorts of things that happen in our life and we wonder why, why. In this series, what we've been doing is really looking at some of life's difficult why questions. We started this series off by asking, why don't I always feel God's presence. Then we moved on in the series and we talked about why didn't God answer my prayer. The third week we asked ourselves, why would God use me? Last week we talked about why can't I change? And as we start this morning, as we start this morning, I'm just curious, how many of you have ever been to a high school football game? Some of y'all, y'all know what, everybody knows what football is though, right? Some of y'all didn't raise your hand. So, uh, but anyway, when you go to a, a football game, I actually met my wife at a high school football game. Anyway, so you might want to try that one time. Anyway, uh, if you're single, don't just, if you got a wife or something, don't go do that. That'd be messed up. But anyway, so uh, at, a, at a high school football game, at a football game in general, not only do you have the football players and not only do you have the coaches and not only do you have the fans, but there's another group of people there and that group is the cheerleaders, the cheerleaders. And what cheerleaders do is they try to get a response from the crowd. They try to interact with the crowd. I remember last year going to one of the local high school football games and the cheerleaders were up there and they did this cheer and they were like, when we lose, we play it cool, but when we win, we rub it in. I was like, what? Go ahead on. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, man, what are they doing? And so they had these cheers. I remember when I was in high school, we would have pep rallies. Anybody remember them pep rallies when you was coming up? Man, and so the cheerleaders would be standing in front of each section where the classes were. And so the class of 90, 
97 would say something, they'd say their cheer, and then the class of 98 would say their cheer, and then the class of 99, which is what I was a part of, they would say their cheer, and I still remember our cheer. We would say, we're the greatest of all time. We're the class of 99. Woo! Anybody know what I'm talking about? Spirit fingers. But anyway, so we would say that, and we would respond. We know how to respond to things like that. If you go to a Mississippi State football game, on one side of the stadium, they will have people say, Maroon, and then what you say in response to that is white. See, even if you're not a fan, you know, you know. So maroon and white, and so they try to get us to respond. And so today, as we get started, I want to see if you guys can respond to me, uh, some of the things that I say in a very, very similar way. See, there are these sayings that have been around in the church world for quite some time. And one of those sayings is, if I was to say, God is good, the response from the people would be all the time. And then if I was to say all the time, the response from the people would be, God is good. So I want you guys to help me out. We're going to try this. Okay, y'all ready? God is good. And all the time. Man, y'all did real good there. Y'all did real good. Let's do another one, okay? So this one's been around uh, for centuries now. This one's been around for centuries now. But what the pastor, the priest, or whatever would do is he would stand before the people, and he would say, he is risen, and the response from the people would be, he is risen indeed. And so let's try that. Are y'all ready? He is risen. Man, here's what I want you guys to know today. I declare to you that Jesus Christ is risen. The stone has been rolled away. Jesus is alive. He really is. And today we celebrate the best news in the history of the world. And everything we're going to talk about from here on out hinges on those two truths that we just declared. And those two truths are the goodness of God and the resurrection of Jesus. And so the question we're going to look at today is a very difficult question. But that question is this. Why? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does God allow that? Why is it sometimes that God doesn't seem fair? I wonder how many of you who are here this morning would just admit that at one point in your life you have asked a question along those lines. Why doesn't God seem fair? Why is this happening? Anybody just me? Pray for me. Okay, several of us. That's what I'm talking about. Well, if you've ever asked that question, I don't want you to feel bad. Because I want you to know that all throughout the Bible, there are people who have asked very similar questions. When God told Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, God. That, that doesn't seem fair. I want you to see what he says in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. Abraham says, surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why? You would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? He's basically saying, that's not fair, God. That's not fair. Moses, when he was talking to God, he actually asked God, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? The prophet, the prophet Jeremiah actually said the very same thing in Jeremiah 12.1. He said, Lord, you always give me justice when I bring a case before you, so let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? Do you see what he's saying right there? You see that? He's saying, why isn't life fair? 
Why does it seem like wicked people are getting rich? Why does it seem like wicked people are prospering? And over here, you've got the good people, the righteous people, and they aren't. Over and over again in the Bible, you see this David, a man after God's own heart. He prayed, God, why don't you reveal yourself to me? Where are you? Why don't you deliver me? Why doesn't this seem fair? Why don't you seem fair? The truth is, we've all asked very similar questions in our life. Why? Why is this bad thing happening to me? Why is this bad thing happening to someone that I love? Why are these bad things happening? It's a very personal question, very personal question. I remember growing up without my father. My father uh, committed suicide when I was five years old, and I remember several times for years and years and years and years and years, I asked God, why? Why? Why, God? Why did this Happen for many people right here in this room. You you have had something tragic happen. You have have had something horrific happen. You've asked, why did I get hurt? Why did I get abused? God, why did this happen? Where were you when that person was doing this to me? Why did my marriage survive? It doesn't seem fair. Some people will say, why can't I find somebody to marry? It doesn't seem fair. Some people who can't conceive a child will say, why can't we conceive a child? It doesn't seem fair because so many other people seem to have no problem conceiving a child. It's not fair. Fair? Why was our child born with this serious medical condition? It's not fair. Why did I get laid off from work when I'm the only one who was really working hard? It doesn't seem fair. So, so many people, so many people have asked questions just like that. And they want to give God the benefit of the doubt. They want to say, God, you were good. God, I know that you're good. But because of this thing that they are experiencing, they're kind of backed into a corner where they, where they have to either say, you know what, well, well God, maybe, maybe you're not good and maybe you're not in control at the same time. Because if you were good and if you were in control, this bad thing would not be happening to me. And so some people are forced to say, I can't trust God. Or they're forced to say, maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe he doesn't exist. Why don't you seem fair God. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's what we're going to talk about today. And let me just go ahead and give you a disclaimer like I have in every message in this series. I'm not going to be able to specifically and definitively answer that question for you in your life. But what I do hope to do is point you back to the one who can and will one day answer all of our questions. And it's my prayer that as we seek him, that we'll truly be able to see beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is absolutely and completely in control, and he really is good. So why do bad things happen to good people? Well, let me give you three things, three things that I think will help you if you want to write them down. The first thing is this. Why do bad things happen to me? Maybe, the first reason is maybe you're just a victim of a broken world. Maybe you're just a victim of a broken world. Maybe it's because we live in a sin-stained world. World. See, if you read Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, you're going to see that God created the earth and everything in it, and he looked at his creation, and he said, it is good. Well, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they sinned against God, the world was not as good as it was 
before. When sin entered the world, there were consequences to sin. There, were, there was punishment. There were actually curses of sin. Ladies now, one of their consequences, one of the consequences of sin is that they have incredible pain during child labor. Anybody ever have a baby out there? Man, my wife's had two. She's got one cooking in the oven right now. And I'm telling you, when you are in, when, when you are in the room with a woman who is having their, their child, they're not just going, this is so fun. Yeah, I can't wait. They're like, you did this to me. You know what I'm saying? It's a consequence of sin. How many of y'all have ever had a, 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 what do you call it? A sticker, a, one of them, you know, a thorn, something like that. You ever had something like that in your hand? Don't those things hurt? Well, when you get one of those, you don't say, man, this is great. You're like, okay, get the splinter, a sticker, splinter, that's what it's called. Splinter out of my hand, right? It's a consequence of sin because the ground is cursed. There is sickness. There is pain. There is death. There is more sin. There are bad things. Jesus even told us in John chapter 16, verse 33, look at what he said. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You will have many trials and sorrows. Jesus didn't say in this world, you're never going to have a headache. Jesus didn't say, hey, you know what? On your prom night, you're not going to get a zit on your nose. Jesus didn't say, hey, you know what? You, just because this world is so great, you're never going to be driving down the road and somebody's going to come up beside you for no apparent reason and tell you you were number one. He said, you know what? In this world, you will have trouble. So many Christians really do think, well, I'm a Christian. Nothing Bad should happen to me. But look at what Jesus said again. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Many trials and many sorrows. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have pain. You're going to have bad things happen to you. Things that you don't like. Things that you don't understand. This is a promise from Jesus Christ. But he goes on in that verse in John 16, 33 to say, hey, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus, he understood this. He understood and he's trying to get us to understand it. See, like it or not, we have to acknowledge that some of the bad things that happen to us in this world, some of the bad things that happen aren't the result of you and I living wrong, or they're not the result of you and I doing something wrong. It's just the result of the fact that we live in a broken world. Last week, I was getting ready for work, and I go into the restroom to use the restroom, and so I'm standing there, and you know how sometimes uh, you'll see something move out of your peripheral. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see something move out of your peripheral. So I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I see something move above me. And so I'm like, what in the world is that? So I go to look up, and when I do, if I'm exaggerating, it's only slightly. But there was this spider that was like the size of a greyhound bus. And I look up, and all I see is this, he's coming after me. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like trying to dip and duck. You know what I mean? I don't want no spider on me. You know what I'm saying? Well, the problem is when I'm dipping and ducking, we've got this wall right beside our toilet. Okay? And so I dip and duck. And I, I about, I, you ever knocked yourself silly? Like, seriously, I thought I had a concussion. I thought I was going to have to call 911 and get them to come and help me. And so after I regained my composure, I'm thinking, where's that spider? And I'm looking for it. And I'm looking for that spider, but I don't see it. And so you know what I'm thinking? Get off of me. So we put the house up for sale. Uh, couldn't find it. Um, but I want you to know, I want you to know that it wasn't the devil's fault that a spider tried to kill me. It wasn't. It wasn't the person who built my house 50 years ago. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't, it wasn't that spider's mama's fault. 
It, was, it wasn't anybody's fault. It just happened. Sometimes bad things happen, and it's not your fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's just that we live in a sinful world, in a broken world, where things don't always operate the way they should. We have to start there. Why are bad things happening to us? Maybe it's because you live in a broken world. The second reason, if you're keeping notes, you want to write this down, why do bad things happen to us, is this. Maybe you brought it on yourself. Maybe you brought it on yourself. See, sometimes bad things happen to us not because we have done anything wrong, but then there are times where bad things happen to us, and it really is our fault. For example, if you were to leave church today and you were to go out and say, hey, you know what? I'm kind of thirsty. I'm going to have 10 or 20 beers. You know what I'm saying? And so you get drunk. You know what I mean? And then you're driving down the road. You hit another car and they take you to jail. They take your license and you're sitting here going, God, I don't know why I don't have a license. I just don't understand. Well, God would say to you, it's because thou drinketh 20th beers and you droveth drunketh. You know what I'm saying? It is your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. I want you to see this. You brought it on yourself. Look what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. The Bible says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What happens? What happens to a man who sins? Watch this. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever he sows to please their flesh, from there they will reap destruction. God, why am I hurting financially? Why? Well, maybe it's because you drive a $50,000 car, you live in a $300,000 house, you just got back from vacation where you were on your new, brand new boat, and you got a new iPhone 7, and you only make $20,000 a year. <laughs> Welcome to Elevate Church. We want you to feel good about yourself, okay? If that's you. You brought it on yourself. You brought it on yourself. Why are bad things happening to us? Maybe you're just a victim of a broken world. Maybe it's because you brought it on yourself. Or the third thing that I want you to see, and this is a different way of looking at things, maybe the reason why bad things are happening to you is because God wants to do something big. Because God wants to do something big. Maybe through something that you don't understand, something that is very painful, something that is hurting you physically, mentally, and emotionally, maybe it's through something that you would not choose for yourself. Maybe it's through that that God wants to do something very big. That's what happened in John chapter 9. If you've got your Bible and you want to check this out, in John chapter 9, we, we, we read about a guy who was born blind. And so put yourself in his shoes. You're born blind. Maybe your brother can see, your sister can see, everybody else can see, and you're wondering, why, God? Why me? Why can't I see? Why am I blind? Why? Everybody, he's wondering that. He's born blind. And so people even start to ask Jesus, well, who is to blame? Who's to blame for this man's blindness? Did he do something wrong? Did he bring this on himself? Was it his fault? Was it his parents' fault? Why in the world is he blind? And so Jesus says, you know what? I want you to look at things a little different. Look at verse nine. Look at verse three of chapter nine of John. Jesus says this: Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Translation: In other words, Jesus is saying, "Hey, you know what? This thing that this man is experiencing, this thing that's bad, this thing he doesn't like, it's it's not because he sinned. It's not because his parents sinned. Watch, watch what happens. Jesus says this happened so that the works of God." might be displayed in him. 
This happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. See, this happened so that the moment this man goes from being blind to being able to see, he's got a story about how God's incredible power worked supernaturally in his life. He's got a story about how he can tell people, hey, you know what? I was blind, but I met Jesus and Jesus changed me. He's got a story about how God worked in his life that's going to change hundreds and thousands of lives. He's made a difference in my life. That's what he's able to see. Here's, here's the thing that I, that, that, that I want you to see. All throughout the Bible, you can, read, you can read stories about people who were hurt, people who experienced pain, and, and they wouldn't have chosen that for themselves, but God did something amazing, amazing because of those things, in spite of those things. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, you can read about a guy by the name of Joseph. Joseph, Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. They literally beat him up, they strip him down, and they throw him in a pit. They were going to kill him. They were going to kill him, but then they decided, you know what, we're going to make a little bit of money off of him, and we're going to sell him into slavery. Again, reading his life, there's so many bad things that happen. It's depressing. It's depressing. He's thrown into a pit. He's sold into slavery. Later on, he's falsely accused of rape, so he's thrown into prison, but it's crazy because throughout all those wild and terrible events that happened, God elevated Joseph to second in command in all of Egypt. Through all the years of hurt, through all the years of pain, through all the years of suffering, God was working out something good so that Joseph could save a lot of people. And so one day Joseph's brothers, these who had mistreated him so badly, they come to him and they're basically like, you know what, we feel bad. We feel bad about what we've done. And so Joseph is able to look at his brothers and say, hey, you know what? What you intended for evil, God used for good. And, and that's the thing. Joseph, Joseph saw a purpose in all the pain that he was experiencing in his life. And I've come to the point in my life where I can see God had a purpose for a lot of the pain that I have experienced. See, ministry, ministry has never been easy for me. I know I'm a pastor, but if you think that when I was growing up, I was like, man, I want to be a pastor, you'd be crazy. You'd be, you'd be wrong. I, I never wanted to do that. I, I thought pastors were weird. I still think a lot of them are, you know what I'm saying? So pray for me. But I didn't want to be a pastor. I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to be an architect. And, and God was like, no, you're supposed to be preaching. And so finally, after God and I argued back and forth for a long time, I finally said I was going to do it. And the first church that I worked at, the pastor, he didn't like me. And so the second church that I worked at, I had to leave for health reasons. There were literally people there that wanted to kill me. Pray for me. Just kidding. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? I, I did. I had, to, I had to leave. They, they, they really did throw me out. And I remember when it was time for me to get my ordination. I was about 21 years old. And so I was going to get the approval of men to preach, and they didn't want to ordain me. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't know, man, if I was a terrible preacher or what. But I, I really did think, God, you want me to do this. But why is it so hard? If this is really something that you want me to do, why is there so much pain? The, the last church, they literally ripped my heart out and really kicked me to the streets. They took me to court. They made YouTube videos comparing me to Satan and some cult leader. I wanted to quit ministry. I wanted to tell God, if this is what it's like, you can have it. I want to quit. But my wife, my wife always encouraged me. She said, Robert, I'm, I'll, I will support you through anything, through anything. I'll support you through anything, but you quit in ministry because you are doing what God 
wants you to do. And so through all that pain, through all that pain and through all that, that suffering, you know what I'm saying? We, we started a church. We started this church. There were a group of people who believed in me and they believed in what we were doing. And we started this church and we didn't have anything, man. We didn't have any chairs. We didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of sound equipment. We didn't have much of nothing. We started meeting in a restaurant that was closed on Sunday mornings. We were setting up and tearing down. After we outgrew that place, we started meeting in a school and we were tear, setting up and tearing down every week. Pretty soon we got kicked out of there and I'm sitting here going, God, why? Why is this so hard? Why is this so difficult? Why? Nothing seemed easy. But I know for a fact that today there are people in this room who were thankful for the ministry of Elevate Church. I know for a fact today that there are people in this room who were thankful for what Jesus Christ is doing through this church. I know for a fact today that there were people, there are people right here who were heading to hell, but now they found Jesus Christ. And it's all because the power of Christ working in this church, I'm able to do what I love, but I can trace it back to the thing that I hated most. The thing I hated most I can trace it back to the things that I didn't understand. See, I've had to look at things differently. And I've realized that, again, through all that pain, through all that suffering, God was working out something big. Now, I'm not trying to belittle anybody's pain here this morning. I'm not. Because some of us, again, we've been through some tough times. But for some of us who are here this morning and you're experiencing pain, you're experiencing suffering, what I want you to know is that for you, it could just be Friday. You say, uh, Pastor, what's that, what's that mean? Uh, it's Sunday. Your, your calendar's all messed up. No. No. For some of us, it could just be Friday. See, we celebrate and we honor and we reflect on the fact that Jesus Christ died for us on a Friday. We remember the horror of that day and the glory of that day on a Friday. For the disciples, when Jesus died on a Friday, they were confused. They, were, they, were, they didn't know what was going on. They were desperate. They were hurting because they didn't know what God was working out for them on Sunday morning. All they knew is that everything they had hoped for was gone on a Friday. They didn't understand that. And for some of the people in this room, I know that you think everything you've hoped for is gone, but I I want you to see that our God can and will do over and above anything that we hope for or ask. God is working on your side. It might just be Friday for you and Sunday is coming. Again, life may be dark. Life may be painful. Life might hurt you right now, but it's Friday and Sunday is coming. See, don't miss this. Don't miss this. It's Easter. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But it took a death for there to be a resurrection. It took a death for there to be a resurrection. We've got to look at things differently. Maybe God one day will do something big through whatever it is that you are experiencing right now. Whatever it is right now that you hate. Whatever it is that you just don't understand. That you wish never happened. Maybe that bad thing that you are experiencing is because we live in a broken world. Maybe it's because you brought it on yourself. Or maybe it's because God wants to do something big. All of those, those three things, they're all maybes. Maybes. I don't like maybes. I don't. And so let me show you something that's truth when you're going through something very difficult. 
when bad things are happening to you, what you've got to understand is that God is doing something in you. When bad things happen, God is doing something in you. See, there are some verses in the Bible that are really annoying to me. They are. I mean, I love the word, but there are some verses in the Bible that, I mean, I just, they just annoy me. One of those verses is found in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. I want you to see this. Here's what, here's what, here's what the writer says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, let me stop. What is this guy talking about? Whenever any kind of trouble comes your way, be joyful. Whenever hard times come your way, be joyful. Whenever you're experiencing trials and sorrows, man, be joyful. Man, what is this guy talking about? If you lose your job and one of your friends comes up to you and says, this is awesome, it's a great opportunity for you to be joyful, what are you going to do? Boom, right? You're going you're to you pay my bills? That's what you're going to ask him? I mean, you know what I mean? You're going to be upset. But he says, consider it. When any kind of trial comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And watch this. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance has a chance to grow. Translation, when you're going through something difficult, God is doing something in you. You know what I know about every person here this morning? Every person. Doesn't matter if you're a Christian. Doesn't matter if you're not a Christian. Doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Doesn't matter. Here's what I know is that if you have lived long enough, if you've lived long enough, we've all experienced something in our life that we really believed was not fair. But over time, we look back on that thing that happened, that thing that we didn't think was fair, and we realize, you know what? That changed me. Some people would say, because of that thing that I experienced that I didn't like, it made me a better person. It made me a stronger person. Some people would say, because of that thing that happened to me that I did not like, that caused me to depend upon God in a greater way, to draw closer to him. Some people would say, you know what, the lowest point at my life, when, when, when it was the worst of the worst, that's what led me to the greatest point in my life because that low point is what led me to call on the name of Jesus Christ and he met me in my deepest need. I never would have chosen that. I never would have chosen that, but I know that God used it to do something in me. See, see, the truth is the more pain that we endure, the more suffering that we endure, the more our faith can be built. The more that we go through times that are difficult for us, the more we have an opportunity to trust in God. I know life is hard. In fact, life is more hard than it's easy. It's, it's harder more times than it is easy. But the truth is, if we walk with God in his church by the power of his word, we can overcome. See, see, God doesn't intend for you and I to be victims. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And if we walk with him over a lifetime, we'll be able to look back and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was in control and that God really is good. So I bet you're wondering, what in the world does all this have to do with Easter? What's it got to do with Easter? What is that question? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, what's that got to do with Easter? Well, let me, let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you. See, that question, why do bad things happen to good people? That question is flawed. 
it's flawed. It's a flawed question. And the reason why it's flawed is because none of us, none of us are good. You say, hold up, pastor. I'm a good person. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not good. None of us really are good. The Bible says that we're all sinners. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one who does righteous. No, not one. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've got to understand that we're not good because until we understand that, we're never going to understand that we really do need a Savior. Until we realize how jacked up we are, we'll never be able to realize what Jesus is really trying to do for us. And so when we realize we're not good, suddenly we can acknowledge the fact that bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things don't happen to good people. In fact, I'm, I'm wrapping up, but I don't want you to miss this. I'm almost done. Bad things don't happen to good people. In fact, bad things only happen to a good person one time. One time. One time. And the name of that good person that bad things happen to is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who ultimately is good, the one who was perfect, the one who was spotless, the one who was blameless, the one who was sinless. He was good. Yet, he became sin for us. He was brutally tortured. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails. They, they drove a crown of thorns deep into his skull. He, he was forced to carry his own cross. And as he carried his cross through the city, I want you to know that people mocked him. As he carried his cross naked, people mocked him, people spit on him, people hit him, people threw things at him, and he was a good person. He carried his cross. Then he was nailed to the cross, and he was raised on a cross. And while Jesus was on that cross, suspended between heaven and earth, I want you to know that he looked up to God and he said, my God, my God, why? Why? And then he did what he came to do. And he said, it is finished. And he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And it was a Friday and no one understood. No one understood. It took what, every, what nobody wanted to happen. It took what no one wanted to happen to happen so that what everyone needed to happen could happen. That's what it took. It was Friday. But three days later, when the, when the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty and he was not there. He is risen. He's risen. And because he's risen, because he's risen, we don't have to ask why do bad things happen to good people. The gospel, the good news is that good things happen to bad people. Good things happen to people like you and people like me. Good things happen to people who do not deserve it. Whenever you're tempted to say, God is not fair, I agree with you 100%. God is not fair. God is just. If he was fair... He would give us exactly what our sins deserve, death. 
death. But praise God. The scripture says that God does not deal with us the way our sin deserves. The scripture tells us that he separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. The scripture tells us that God raises us to new life. The scriptures tell us that God washes us as white as snow. He forgives us for our, our sins and our transgressions and by his wounds we are healed. Man, I wish I had five people in this church this morning who would praise God for the fact that he is good all the time. All the time. He is good. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And because he rose from the grave, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is nothing that life can throw our way that we can't overcome because he's alive. He's alive. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to know today that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And I can't help but think that there are people here this morning who are going through difficult things. And right now, it's hard for you to admit that. It's hard for you to admit that God is good all the time. Because what you're experiencing doesn't feel good. I want you to know that it could just be Friday in your life. And the reason why God has you here today it's so that things can change for you. God in his grace, God in his mercy has brought you to this place. You think you're just here because someone invited you. You think you're just here because it's Easter. No, God orchestrated this thing for you to be here on this day so that you could give your heart to him, so that you could give your life to him, so that you could walk out of these doors and tell people it's Sunday and God has done an incredible work in my life. And so if you're here today and you know that you need to give your heart to Jesus, you know you need to give your life to him, I'm going to ask that right where you are, you raise your hand. You need Jesus today. Amen. Amen. You need to give your heart to him. Amen. Amen. You know that you need to be made right. Amen. You're here so that you can receive him. You're here for him. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray this prayer. Father, today I receive you. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my transgressions. Father, I accept you as Lord and Savior. I surrender to you. And I ask, Father, that you would come into my heart and make me into a new creation. Father, I pray that I would, I would experience the power of your resurrection in my heart, in my life. I pray today that it would be a real day of life change. Father, save me. Save me today. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Father. I give you my all. I give you my all. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.